0: Your host Andy Whiteside, your source for all things VMware and user compute.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of On the Horizon. It's the podcast I do each week. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got with me uh, our reoccurring guest, Scott March. Scott, you got a you got a new title recently. What, what do you have you doing now? Uh, now a solutions architect. It's pretty exciting.
0: So looking should be a fun time with that one. So uh, yeah, it's now I'm going to be looking a little bit more strategic. So uh, yeah, it should be fun.
1: So, I mean, I can still call and bug you with questions all the time. Oh yeah, as many times as you need. So as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> all right. Well, um, Scott and I are getting together today. We're going to go over some of the some of the things going on with Horizon 8, specifically around um, cloning. Uh, we're going to talk about the clone wars uh, here a little bit, uh, not really the wars, but the clone conversations within within VMware Horizon, and we're also going to talk about the um, user environment manager a little bit and where that's where that's come and gone uh, as we get to the latest version of Horizon 8. We're, we are going to have a podcast, an all-inclusive podcast, I think next week, maybe the week after, uh, on Horizon 8 uh, with some of the product team, and they're going to go through all the greatness of Horizon 8 and what you should be looking for there. But uh, for today, we're going to focus on the very, very important topic of clones and how to make uh, a non-persistent environment feel persistent, uh, and so users have what is most important, which is a good user experience. So Scott, with that, I'll I'll, uh, give a quick intro to my knowledge. Uh, You know, I I come from a a Citrix world, right? Where I grew up in uh, no no cloning and no image management, and then we got this magical, mythical thing of Citrix provisioning server somewhere along the way, which was um, interesting. The the the, the fact that it even worked was amazing. Right, the first time I ever saw somebody take an image and and multiply it uh, hundreds and hundreds of times and and make it non persistent was awesome. But but even then, you felt like something was weird about this. This isn't the best way to do it, uh, and then companies like VMware uh, had virtualization that include uh, includes disk virtualization, uh, and and somewhere out of all that came the ability to have uh, virtual machines that are cloned at the at the machine level at the disk level, and not this this crazy network thing that provisioning server brought to the mix, which was great at the time and, and still is kind of interesting and great, but not the way uh, technology has driven us towards uh, machine machine cloning. And in the world of VMware, we started off with link clones, uh, which i'd love a description on that here in a minute and then now we're at instant clones and up till now we've had both and VMware is making the move to instant clones as the the one and only way to do that so so with that Scott why don't you give us your background and where you in the desktop world have seen uh image management come from
0: yeah sure so i mean you know way back when persistent was all you had as a choice right so it was basically almost the same thing as a physical machine, and. Uh, you know the whole idea about virtual desktops is we want to be able to provision them fast we want to make sure that those updates happen in a quick way and that's really where link clones kind of came into existence uh so link clones has been around for a long time we put that in i don't know what version exactly but i've been doing this longer than most and i've been working with link clones probably for seven years now uh and anybody that's worked with link clones before uh you know they all they we all know the same challenge right i mean it's it's a kind of be a tedious process. We're installing a composer server, we're managing a database. Uh, we gotta, you know, when we wanna update all those machines in those pools, we gotta use recompose, which, uh, you know, everybody I'm sure stayed up at night thinking about that. And then, uh, you know, refresh and rebalance, we call it the three Rs. And, uh, you know, it did a great job for a long time, uh, but the key thing here is VMware's, is you know, we, we came up with a better way and that's really instant clones. And uh, long story short, uh, you know, one of the big things about link clones just, just take, you know, just think about, you know, creating 2000 VMs, uh, you know, on average, that can take you anywhere between four hours to six, seven hours to do depending on uh, your environment, what you're using for storage, uh, you know, it's a painful process. And then you have those, those, you know, Patch Tuesdays that everybody loves, you know, we all know and love Patch Tuesdays from Microsoft. Uh, you have to go through that same process, and it can take a very, very long time to do that. Uh, to compare that with instant clones, uh, one of the key things there is we can literally roll out 2,000 VMs in about 40 minutes, and the first 20 minutes is you're staging, it literally takes about 20 minutes to build out 2,000 VMs. It's, it's amazing what that can do. And it's doing that without any database, without any extra services. Uh, this is literally all built into vCenter and, v, and, and vSphere, So we're using a technology called VM forking that will literally uh, allow you to do that without any of the extra services that we all were used to before. So you're no longer managing that database or worrying about backing it up anymore. It's all it's all there. Um, So it's pretty exciting. Uh, But one of the challenges before is it was only available in the enterprise version. So anybody who had standard and advanced literally couldn't use that. And, uh, that was always the biggest thing is, you know, okay, great. I've got standard in advance. What do I do? I'm still using link clones. And that's where horizon eight came out. we're like, well, you know what, guys now instant clones is available in all versions. Um, we're going to deprecate link clones, but we're going to give you time to figure that out. So pretty exciting stuff. We're looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, uh, is a great partner to, to help you out with that. Um, so we're definitely, uh,
1: you know, looking forward to see what that move actually happens going forward. So, so Scott, up until now, if you had the licensing entitlement, which now it's great, everybody has mm-hmm. it. Um, some people were using persistent images, what I call monolithic images. Some people were using uh, linked clones. Yeah. Uh, some people were using instant clones. So you really had a, a lot of people had a, commonly had a mix match, mismatch of lots of different technologies. Now everybody going forward will be instant clones for, for non-persistent. Can instant clones be used for persistent as well?
0: Uh there is a persistent instant clone. It's something that you can use for certain use cases. Um You know, the key thing there is to use them sparingly. Uh, You know, if you have a use case that requires a persistent instant clone, and that's usually because of a legacy application of some sort, Uh, that's where that would fit. But the neat thing about instant clones is when you log into a machine or when those instant clones are there and a user logs into those machines, they're going to go ahead and use that machine. But when they leave that machine, that machine's actually destroyed and recreated. And why that's important is because if any patches were actually updated on the golden image, the next time that user logs in, they're going to get those updates. But... You know, everybody's asking me, Scott, well, what happens to all of my data? What happens to my applications? Because if those machines are destroyed, well, that should go away too. And that's where Dynamic Environment Manager fits in. So we have two other components that play with instant clones. Dynamic Environment Manager is one. That's where your profile is stored. So those are all your application settings, that's your window settings, uh, all the stuff that, you know, the folks are used to on their desktop, that's where it comes from. And the other one is App Volumes, which is actually publishing all your applications on the fly as well. So when you log into that desktop, the desktop is created on the fly, your applications and your profile is loaded. And that's a fantastic thing because guess what? Say that machine actually fails, or you want to actually go to a different site, maybe uh, maybe you're, I don't know, going to California and you have a data center out there, we can rehydrate your machine with those moving parts anywhere. So disaster recovery is simple now. Again, geolocation, if you want to move that machine around, you can do that as well. All kinds of various different use cases that this opens that persistent machines wouldn't allow you to do.
1: Scott that was funny my my ring central phone my voice started ringing right in the middle of your uh, conversation you still there I'm still here that's always interesting so I did have a question for you. The um, the app volumes piece, mm-hmm. that's not a requirement, right? Apps can be in the, the master image that got converted to a template or got moved to a template. Uh, okay. App volumes just makes it more uh, more elastic.
0: Yeah, they sure can. Uh, it's not a required piece. As a matter of fact, it, that's the other cool thing is, is you can add and uh, you know install these components you know when the company requires them. So it, it's, it's nothing here is, is set. You can actually, even with instant clones, if you wanted to, you can offload your profile and Normally and actually just leverage it that way as well. Uh, these are all pieces that uh, VMware offers in their enterprise and their advanced products that, again, help you uh, go from that persistent world to that non-persistent world but still have that persistent look and
1: feel. Right. Yeah. So, so what happens to someone who's got a, a pool of um, linked clones today using those and those are supported, it just they won't roll out any new linked clone pools?
0: Well they're going to grab that golden image that for they have that link clone they're going to make a snapshot of that image and they're literally going to roll out an instant clone pool. And once they have the instant clone pool rolled out, uh, if they're using dynamic environment manager because now by the way that's available in all the versions as well, standard, advanced and enterprise. So you plug that in, that will automatically store, uh, start to take your profile. And now you can literally, if you want to move that user from a, a link clone to an instant clone, that profile will follow the user. Your settings will follow them as well. And that migration will be done in a fairly seamless way. Now you still need to look at the applications. There's still oh, the app remediation doesn't go away. Uh, so there's no magic buttons there, but it's a, a very simple process to get them on the new, new environment. And oh, by the way, if you're uh, risk averse and you want to stay on version 7, 7.13, which is coming out fairly soon, same basic uh, code base as the old 7x platforms, uh, this will allow you, from a licensing perspective, to start taking advantage of all the stuff we just talked about. So you don't need to go to 8 right away to do this. Uh, So again, keep that in mind as well. Okay.
1: So, Scott, I guess the, uh, the main benefits here are, are speed, uh, cleanliness, anything else besides those that... Um,
0: I think it's well? simplicity. I mean, you're not looking at having to recompose, refresh, or rebalance anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have to manage that database. So all of the complexity that you're used to with Composer kind of goes away. Uh, and speed is definitely there. I mean, it's the idea of not just being able to create these machines on the fly in seconds, but also be able to create those machines on the fly with all the latest patches from that golden image that you just created. So when that user logs out and he logs back in again, he's going to get that new image. So all that wonderful Patch Tuesday stuff that we all know and love or hate, depending on how you're looking at it, I guess, um, that becomes a non-issue. And by the way, if it fails, say you get a bad patch, right? Microsoft never comes out with bad stuff. We know that. Um, But say you do. You get a bad patch. You have to fall back well, you can fall back in minutes as well because we can just change that snapshot to the older one and they're going to be back on that image that they were before and still up and running. So, and again, in seconds, not in days or hours or whatever the case may be. Right.
1: No, it definitely sounds like we've uh, come a long way from the, the network boot days and then, and then link clones and now we're, now we're doing it real time, which if you get the same or better result and, and lower the administrative burden, it, it sounds like a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, it really is, and, uh, you know, we were looking at this for a very long time. I'm happy that VMware finally made the decision to add this to the other versions because, again, it just makes everything simple.
1: Yeah, so all the versions, uh, even the most least expensive version will have instant clones.
0: Yeah, standard. So you can start with something really, really simple, and as you, again, get used to those features, if you see something is, you know, that, Makes your business happen in advanced or enterprise, then you go to it. If not, standard will work, and you get the advantages of instant clones as well. And and Scott, how does
1: uh, that work? Obviously, that 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 has to work with local storage, and and obviously uh, vSAN, right? That's gonna is is vSAN a requirement for instant clones, or does it just make it better?
0: No, it just makes it better. I mean, you can definitely use uh, you know your typical. Uh, you know, visa or if you have vSAN, that's fantastic. Um, if you're running a, a traditional SAN, that's okay too. Uh, the one nice thing away that, uh, instant clones works is it will spread that workload around. So it does give you a little bit better performance, uh, from a storage perspective. The other thing it does from a memory perspective is that, uh, it's pulling from multiple, uh, there's, there's actually a mount point on every server. It's the, uh, parent virtual machine and that spreads the load for you so you don't end up with hotspots like we normally would with link clones again that's another advantage of instant clones that i didn't think about uh so you're, from a performance perspective you're definitely getting that from a storage perspective you're getting a serious efficiency there because again everything's being put pointed back to that parent vm and even again the memory is being shared and if your pool is smaller than 12 vms which isn't really typical, but say you do have a small pool, maybe it's for, I don't know, sea level folks, um, it will automatically downsize the process but doesn't require as much storage from those, those parent virtual machines as well. So, uh, and this is, a, that particular feature is only available in Horizon 8, uh, or 2006, I should say. But uh, again, some really exciting things we're seeing in that particular space.
1: So, Scott, one of the key uh, key pieces of this is the user environment, right? Um, dynamic uh, user environment manager, that's part of this you've mentioned already. Um, what's changed in that with Horizon 8?
0: So, dynamic environment manager, the way we actually allow you to use it in all the various different versions is there's two different flavors of it. So, there's dynamic environment manager standard, which is available in the Horizon standard and advanced versions. And then we have dynamic environment manager enterprise, which is of course available in the enterprise version. The only difference between the two platforms is it's a little bit, uh, you get all the basic uh, table stakes in all the versions as far as being able to store your typical profile stuff like printers and file shares and offloading your desktop Uh, You can even do application settings uh, within that. But when you get into the enterprise version, then you can start blocking applications. You can actually import group policy. uh, So there's more features and functions. But the neat part is, again, you get the basics and all the various different versions. So that instant clone, all those settings I just talked about will follow that user no matter what they log into. Uh, But if you get into the more enterprise versions, of course, you get more bells and whistles.
1: Okay, um, how does that work in the cloud? In other words, if I'm going to host the the desktop workloads in the cloud, is that does uh, dynamic environment manager go with me there or is there how, how does that work?
0: Yeah, well, I mean so dynamic environment manager from a platform perspective is very simple um, it's literally just two file shares. Uh, a group policy in your active directory, and uh, MMC snap in that you put to manage the tool itself. that can be used anywhere. So you can have an on-prem environment uh, running just fine with Horizon. Uh, or you say you have uh, an environment running in AWS or even Azure, um, you can actually use Dynamic Environment Manager there as well. And if you're replicating that with DFS, uh, DFSR, or DFSR, sorry about that, um, those settings will actually follow you in the cloud as well. So when that user logs into a desktop in Azure or AWS, they're going to get those same settings no matter where they're at. So again, that non-persistent desktop, uh, whether they're on-prem or in the cloud, um, they're going to get those various different set or the settings that will actually follow them. The other part I didn't talk about is Horizon 2006 um, offers universal licensing, which it's the same license in both spots as well, and the same broker. So you can use universal broker, connect there once, and what it'll do is the universal broker will point you to the right environment, whether that's on-prem. Uh, But if that's not available, uh, it'll automatically put you to the cloud. So you can use that cloud space for disaster recovery if you want. Mm. And from the user perspective, it's seamless. And from an administrative perspective, it's, again, one central uh, single pane of glass to manage all of that as well on both platforms.
1: So Scott, that, in, that, in that case, would it be like a real-time um, uh, recovery recovery time of, of zero, or is there usually a little lag there? And, and even if there is, do people even care as long as they have most well, of
0: Yeah, I mean, it really depends on your replication scheme on how often you replicate that data across sites. But yeah, the RTO is very low. So your recovery time objective is going to be zero. That's the amount of time it takes to move that user to a different environment. Uh, what might be a little bit, behind is that recovery point objective, which is the amount of time it t- or the amount of uh, our age of that data, sorry, how old it is from the time it, you actually, you know, executed to what you're getting with that new desktop. So if that user logs in and that replication, say, is every 15 minutes, uh, their desktop might be 15 minutes old. But again, that really, you know, it depends on how, how important that user is as far as or what they think that data how important that data is to the user. So if they're a financial customer, maybe they want a, a low RPO of, you know, 15 minutes or in some cases synchronous. Uh, but if you're an average you know, user that, you know, where that data isn't as critical, you know, you can set that replication to whatever you want. It could be hours, it could be days. But the key thing is, again, that user can get to those desktops from, you know, immediately if something does happen. Does
1: yeah. that make sense? No, it does, it does. <laughs> And definitely a, a conversation that most shops that are embarking on the non-persistent user experience, uh, non-persistent desktops, but with a persistent look and feel and, and of course, focus on user experience is definitely a conversation people have to have along the way as they're architecting this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great experience. The only place I've seen where it doesn't work well, and I'm going to say this because I don't want anybody to get themselves in trouble. If you're doing a real-time data situation with, say, I don't know, real-time trading, persistent desktop is probably where you want to go. But for every other use case I've seen, you know, uh, minus maybe a few. And, again, those are usually the high-level ones where, you know, maybe they're, I don't know, doing AutoCAD or SolidWorks or something like that. This is a great fit. Um, It really does work well. Uh, That non-persistent model uh, is becoming more and more prevalent and just, just, you know, taking over what we're seeing in this space.
1: Well, Scott, I appreciate you joining and going over those. We'll have plenty more to talk about after we go through the latest in horizon eight and start breaking down more of the features and product, uh, subcomponents. Awesome. Sounds like fun. Yep. All right, Scott. Thanks again. We'll, uh, we'll do it again in a week. <laughs> Sounds good. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to on the horizon with your host, Andy Whiteside. A special thanks to our guests podcast produced by Pete Downing for any input. Or if you want to join our podcast, please email us at info at podcast copyrighted by Zintegra LLC.